Group discussions are one of the most basic elements of a city group. Most groups include a discussion of some sort, and most leaders have had plenty of experience leading them. But there's a big difference between leading a discussion and leading a meaningful, informative discussion. That's why in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to lead them better. Hey everyone, welcome back to the City Group Leader Podcast, the podcast designed to help your city group thrive and multiply by strengthening your leadership in 25 minutes or less. My name is Trevor Nashlinis. I'm a City Group's Director at City Light Church in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'd like to thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm excited to talk with you today about leading better group discussions, but before we do, I encourage you to download the discussion guide so you can get most out of the podcast content today. Now, I do not claim to be a world-class discussion leader by any stretch of the imagination, but I've led and participated in dozens, maybe hundreds of discussions over the years, and I've noticed a few things that effective leaders do well. One of the first things that I've noticed is that group discussions are a lot like baseball. In professional baseball, a batting average of 400, that's getting on base four out of every 10 at-bats, is considered really, really good. I mean like record-setting good. As for home runs, the single season home run record is held by Barry Bonds at 73 home runs in a single season. For those of you who are not familiar with baseball, that is about one home run every other to every third game or one home run every eight to 10 at bats. And he is the best of the very best. Leading discussions is a lot like that too. If you lead a respectable, meaningful discussion one-third to one-half the time, you're doing really well. And dramatically life-changing discussions are like home runs. They only happen every once in a great while. And that's if you're the best of the very best. The important thing is that you lead faithfully from week to week because consistency is more important than competence. Let me say that again, when it comes to leading effective discussions, consistency is more important than competence. An average discussion every week is more effective than a world-class discussion once a year. Because you can think of your city group discussions a lot like a bucket that you're dropping water into. A dramatically life-changing discussion might be a bigger drop of water but it is still just one drop. It's gonna take dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of drops of water to fill up that bucket. And so it's more important to be consistent in your leadership than it is for you to be dramatic in your leadership because you're gonna fill up that bucket one drop at a time, regardless of how well your discussions go. And regardless of where you're at in your skill level, whether you're a rookie or a Hall of Fame discussion leader, there's room for every single one of us to grow as discussion leaders. And my hope is that this episode will simply help you step your game up no matter where you are in your skill level. So let's talk about how to lead better group discussions. To begin, I'd like to make an important distinction between traditional Bible studies and what I would call a Bible discussion. Then I'd like to address two common mistakes that leaders tend to make, and we'll wrap up our time together with some principles for leading better group discussions. Let's get started. There's a big difference between a traditional Bible study and what I would call a Bible discussion. I realize that that's an oversimplification, but I'm using those words intentionally because I want you to understand the difference between what you might have in your mind and what I am talking about in this episode. So don't get too hung up on the terminology because it's the distinction that's important. First, 
A traditional Bible study is focused on information and its primary aim is explanation, while a Bible discussion, on the other hand, is focused on transformation and its primary aim is application. Second, a traditional Bible study focuses on theological knowledge, while a Bible discussion focuses on spiritual formation. And third, a traditional Bible study is focused on explaining the Bible to people, while a Bible discussion is focused on explaining people to themselves using the Bible. Because the primary goal of a city group discussion is not information, it is transformation. And that requires a different set of skills than traditional Bible study methods. Thankfully, those skills are very easy to learn, and when used well, they can take mediocre, even bad discussions and turn them into good ones. All it takes to begin with is a change in the way you think about leading group discussions. So think discussion instead of study. Now that we've made that distinction, let's talk about two of the most common mistakes that I often see leaders make. The first mistake I see leaders make is lecturing their groups. Instead of discussing a passage of scripture together, the leader spends 10, 20, 30, 40, or even 50 minutes just explaining a passage of scripture to everyone in the room, even if that's the passage of scripture that was preached on that Sunday. And they turn their group into a lecture like a seminary professor in a room full of students. Now, if that's you, I can absolutely sympathize with your desire here. As someone who loves to teach the Bible and who does so absolutely every chance I get, I know how easy it is to turn your discussion into a soapbox for your theological knowledge and the things that you are learning in your study of the scripture. But in my experience, that's usually not helpful. If your group wanted a lecture, they'd go to seminary. So please don't do that. In my experience, these groups are usually stagnant. New people usually don't stick around very long, regulars usually aren't very engaged, and the people in the room aren't usually seeing much spiritual growth. They're, they might be learning, but they're probably not changing. Because insight doesn't change people, application does. There are plenty of cigarette smokers who know that smoking is bad for them, but they still smoke anyway. Why? Because they have insight, smoking is bad, but they aren't applying that insight to their lives. So if lecturing our groups isn't helpful, what's the alternative? The alternative is to ask good follow-up questions. This, in my opinion, is the defining skill of an effective discussion leader. Learn how to ask good questions of the text and learn how to ask good questions of the people in the room. At City Light, we create sermon-based discussion guides for you. The questions on those discussion guides are meant to be a guide and a guard for your discussion, but they are not meant to be the sum total of your discussion. You can kind of think of them like bumpers at the bowling alley that keep your ball heading straight for the pins instead of falling into the gutter. That's what a discussion guide does. It gives you direction for your group so you don't fall off the ledge, over the cliff, or into the gutter. In fact, the best questions usually don't come from the person writing the discussion guide. The best questions usually come from an attentive leader who is present to the people in the room and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, it's impossible for me to give you an exhaustive list of follow-up questions because the best follow-up questions are contextualized to the group, the text, and to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the moment. But I'll give you a few generic questions to get you started. One might be, 
I hear what you're saying here, Dave. Now help me see where you're getting that from the text. Another could be, that's a really interesting perspective, Sarah. What do you mean by that? Or perhaps, how do you think you'd respond differently in this situation, Kate, if you believe what the text is saying here? You see the difference? You're going for guided self-discovery, not information transfer. The second most common mistake I see leaders make is misusing the discussion guide or whatever study material you happen to be using if you're doing your own kind of study. When used well, a guide gives shape and direction to your discussions, but when used poorly, it actually stifles discussion. Leaders who overutilize the discussion guides work through the questions in a rigid and robotic way. There's little to no follow-up and they tend to miss what the Spirit is doing in the moment. These discussions tend to be very boring and very one-dimensional. Sitting under these leaders feels a lot like reading the Bible with C-3PO. Leaders who underutilize the discussion guides, on the other hand, tend to ignore the questions altogether. Their discussions are usually more exciting, but they're often directionless, and group members don't usually know what they should be taking away from their discussion time together even if they really enjoyed the experience. Now, in my experience, these discussions are usually very scattered and very theoretical. Sitting under these leaders is like riding a Bible roller coaster. There's lots of ups and downs and ins and outs and twists and turns, which makes it a lot of fun and can be very exciting, but it often leaves people very confused and walking away unsure of what difference that text should make in their life. A better way to think about the discussion guide or whatever study material you happen to be using is to think in terms of freedom within a framework. The discussion guide provides the framework and you as a leader have freedom to operate within that framework as the spirit leads. In chess, for example, each chess piece is limited to moving in a very specific direction. The pawn can only move forward or backwards unless it is attacking. The bishop can only move diagonally. The knight can only move in an L shape and so on and so forth. Each piece in a game of chess has freedom to move anywhere on the board that it wants to, as long as it does so according to the moves it was assigned. In a similar way, the most fruitful group discussions happen when group leaders moving freely within the framework that the discussion guide provides. They know how to linger on a question when it is getting good traction and leading to meaningful discussion. They know how to skip or move past a question when it's just not making sense to people or you've already covered that previously in your discussion. And they also know how to ask really good follow-ups of the text and of the people in the room so they can have personal, meaningful, and impactful discussion. My encouragement to you as a leader is to see the discussion guide as a framework and then learn how to freely operate within that framework. Doing so is going to make your discussions a whole lot more meaningful, impactful, and formative for your group. So those are the common mistakes leaders make and what to do about them. Now let's talk about some principles for leading better group discussions. Number one, begin each discussion with the end in mind. Effective discussions are a lot more like a rifle than they are a shotgun. Instead of scattering ideas across the group for an hour, your goal is to aim your discussion at one big idea. You're not trying to cover every possible detail that you could cover in that discussion. You're aiming for one big takeaway that's going to impact the lives of your group members. Now, the easiest way to do this is to ask yourself this one question during your preparation. 
What is the one thing I want my group to take away from this discussion tonight? What is the one thing I want my group to take away from this discussion tonight? If you're using one of our discussion guides, that one thing is mentioned at the vision section at the top of the guide. If you're using your own material, you'll have to come up with that on your own. But either way, once you know the outcome that you're aiming for, tell that to your group up front so they know where you're going. For example, if you're leading a group discussion tonight, you might say something like this. Our passage for tonight is Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through 12. In this text, Jesus talks to his disciples about hypocrisy and the fear of man. So our goal tonight is to fight the fear of man with the fear of the Lord so we can live more courageous lives of integrity as Jesus' disciples. You introduce the passage, you tell everyone what the text is about, and then you tell them what you want them to get out of it. Doing this is going to keep your group's attention because they're going to be much more focused during that discussion and it's going to make it more meaningful and impactful for everybody involved because they know exactly what it is they're supposed to walk away with. It's also going to keep your group on track and lead to more meaningful dialogue as well. So that's principle number one. Here's principle number two. Signpost for your group. Now, in high school or college, you may have taken a speech class, and in that class, your teacher may have taught you one of the most basic principles for communication, signposting. Signposting is exactly what it sounds like. You're letting everybody know where you're going, you let everybody know where you're at, and you let everybody know when you've reached your destination. Signposting works exactly like street signs. Whether you're in the city or on the highway, the street sign tells you where you're at, and it tells you how far you have to go if you're driving on the highway and it says, say, Omaha, 29 miles. It's helping you locate where you're at. When you hear a pastor say something like, in today's text, we're going to learn about how God's faithfulness should cause us to worship. And we're going to see three ways that we can respond to Jesus in worship this morning. That's signposting. Signposting is really helpful because it creates a clear roadmap for your group and it helps you move the discussion along in a simple, straightforward way that makes it easy for other people to participate in. To do this, you're simply going to tell your group where you're going, you're going to take them there, and then you're going to tell your group where you've been. So if you're leading a discussion, you could tell everybody at the beginning what you hope to accomplish through that discussion. Then you might say something like, I'd like to spend the first 20 to 30 minutes looking at the text, then the next 20 to 30 minutes applying that text to our lives, followed by five to 10 minutes in prayer. Then as you're working way through the discussion guide, you might say, now that we've got a good understanding of what this text is about, let's spend some time talking about how it speaks to our everyday lives. Do you see how signposting creates clarity and focus? That's what you want your discussion to be like. When done well, this will increase your credibility as a leader and it will make your, it easier for your group members to participate. On to principle number three, focus on follow-up. I've already mentioned this, but it's worth mentioning again because good follow-up is a discussion leader's secret weapon. It's the secret sauce that turns an average discussion into an exceptional one. But what exactly is follow-up and how do we do it well? Follow-up refers to a leader's ability to actively listen to and appropriately respond to group members and what they are saying. Follow-up refers to a leader's ability to actively listen and appropriately respond to what group members are saying. An effective follow-up consists of two things, engaging statements and thoughtful questions. 
An engaging statement is any comment that adds to or clarifies what another person is saying in a non-demeaning way. Examples might be supportive self-disclosure, reflective statements, indirect comments, and life-giving impartation that help build people up and clarify what they're saying. Let me give you examples of each, and then we'll move on to thoughtful questions. I know you're anxious about your mom's upcoming surgery. I felt the same way when my mom had cancer. That's self-disclosure. The goal here isn't to hijack the conversation, making it about you. It's to validate the other person's experience by showing them your support. Self-disclosure usually doesn't work very well on its own. It needs another comment to nudge the conversation along or a thoughtful follow-up question to draw the person out. Another example might be, if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like you're interpreting this text differently than the rest of us tonight. That's a reflective statement. You're restating what the person has said for the purpose of making sure you and the group understand. Let's try a different one. That's an interesting perspective. I don't really know how you came to that conclusion, and I'd be interesting to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Here we have an indirect comment. I'm soliciting more information from the person without directly asking that person a question. This encourages them to continue talking without making them feel like they're being interrogated. And one more for good measure. Jeff, as I've listened to you talk tonight, I want to encourage you to have that difficult conversation with your father. I know that it's going to be uncomfortable for you, but I think it's a necessary step in your discipleship. And I want to remind you that Jesus Christ made himself uncomfortable for you on the cross so that you could receive eternal comfort from God through him. I think this conversation is an opportunity to, for you to learn to live from the comfort that you have from God through Jesus rather than a false sense of comfort from your dad. So I want to encourage you to take that opportunity and have that conversation knowing that God in Christ is your comfort. That's life-giving impartation. I'm speaking truth that needs to be heard in a life-giving way. And in some sense, I might even be believing for Jeff something that he struggles to believe for himself. So those are all examples of engaging statements. And if engaging statements are comments that add to or clarify what a person is saying, then thoughtful questions are questions that help people uncover something about themselves or about the text. They include questions about understanding and questions about underlying beliefs, feelings, and worldviews. I'll give you a couple of examples of these as well, coupled with some engaging statements so that you can see how they work together for a meaningful discussion. I might say something like, I hear what you're saying, Kara, but I'm not sure I see that in the text. Could you show me in these verses which ones you're referring to? I might say something like, it sounds like you're really struggling to forgive your boss, Clark. What is it that's making it so hard for you to let go? Or I might say, Laura, I'm so sorry. If I experienced the hurt and injustice that you've endured, I would probably have a sour taste in my mouth too. How might what God is saying to us in this passage bring healing and hope to your situation? That right there is what good follow-up looks like. It works for two reasons, because it gives people agency and it applies the text to people's everyday lives. And that allows them to become participants in their own transformation. And it also allows them to really consider what it looks like for the grace of God to transform who they are as a person. Let me say just one more thing about follow-up before we move on. Good follow-up is about gospel application. 
You're trying to help people see their need for grace in a specific area of their life. And then you're trying to help them believe the gospel more deeply in a specific area of their life. So the whole goal of follow-up is to better see and understand, apply and believe the gospel to the everyday issues of our real lives. That is what we're going for in follow-up. And that's not something that a discussion guide can do for you. That's something that you have to be able to do as a leader by being a good listener to your group and to the Holy Spirit. So that's principle number three. Here's principle number four. Summarize your discussion with one key takeaway. Do you remember what I said in principle number one about beginning with the end in mind? Well, that applies to the end as well. If your goal at the beginning of the discussion is to help people know where you're going, then your goal at the end of the discussion is to help people know when you've got there. It's that moment at the end of a long trip when the driver turns to everybody else in the car and says, we're here. And the whole point is to let people know where you've been and when you've arrived at your final destination. The easiest way to do that is to restate your big idea using something meaningful from the discussion to bring closure to that conversation. For example, at the end of a discussion, you might say something like, in light of what we've discussed tonight, let's choose to live with integrity and courage by cultivating the fear of the Lord this week. Jesus is not ashamed of us, and we do not need to be ashamed of him. More importantly, we are valuable to God our Father, and no one and nothing can take that away from us. Those are the four principles for leading better discussion. Let's review. Leading a discussion is like playing baseball. If you have a meaningful discussion 30 to 40% of the time, you are doing really well. Remember, consistency is more important than competence. There are two common mistakes that leaders make when it comes to discussions, lecturing and misusing the discussion guide. Instead, you wanna focus up on follow-up questions and freely operate within the framework that the discussion guide provides. There are also four principles that can help you lead better discussions. Begin with the end in mind, signpost for your group, focus on follow-up, and summarize your discussion with one key takeaway. Taken together, these principles create a simple, straightforward roadmap for your discussion, making it easier for your group to participate. Let's hit a few application questions, and then we'll be done. Number one, what was insightful to you about the difference between a Bible study and a Bible discussion, and how will that change the way that you lead? Number two, which mistake are you prone to make as a leader, and how will recognizing those mistakes help you lead better discussions moving forward? And number three, which of the four principles do you sense the Holy Spirit inviting you to focus on right now? And what will you do to practice that principle this week? That does it for today's episode. Thank you again for joining me for another edition of the City Group Leader Podcast. I realize that there are a lot of good podcasts out there, so thank you for taking the time for this one. If this content was helpful to you, would you please take a moment to subscribe, rate it and review it, and share it with other leaders. That's the best way that you can show your support, and it gives us the opportunity to strengthen more leaders and help more groups thrive. As you go, remember, you don't have to be perfect in order to lead a group discussion well. None of us get it right all of the time, and that is okay. God has chosen you to lead your group, and because Christ is in you, you have everything you need to lead it well.